Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Today, editorial cartoons, the controversy they create and how cartoonists decide where to draw the line. A cartoonist whose latest work is being slammed as racist says it's not causing any more death. Garrick Tremaine's interpretation of the Samoa measles outbreak first popped up for me on Twitter when I was scrolling down one afternoon. On the next tab over, I had RNZ reporting the increasing death toll in Samoa, the victims mostly children and babies. Soon, the Twitter fury became regular fury. The group of 40 protesters were angry and their message clear. They want Garrick Tremaine and Otago Daily Times editor Barry Stewart to resign. Mr Stewart, visibly upset and his hands shaking, addressed the protesters. The content of the cartoon was insensitive and I apologise without reservation uh, for publishing it. Tremaine issued an apology of sorts on his website, but initially when he spoke to RNZ's First Up programme, he was less sorry. In this politically correct atmosphere that we're now being bloody suffocated by, um, you have to be aware that there is a growing number of people who uh, wake up every morning and their first intention is to find something to be offended about. Uh, so, yes, that's, that's something that we didn't have to deal with uh, in the past to the extent that we do now. Is he right? Can you really not say or draw specifically anything anymore? Or is it more a case of not being able to draw everything? Rod Emerson is the New Zealand Herald's editorial cartoonist and has been for 15 years. You've got a lot of tools in your toolbox as a cartoonist and that ranges from sledgehammers through to a scalpel. And Jeff Bell is a cartoonist for Stuff Newspapers. His work is seen in the Dominion Post and the Christchurch Press as well as online. I like to get a feel for what the biggest issues are that week and then it's a process, I guess, of working out which ones I care about the most. 90% of the work, probably even more than that, 90% of the cartoon is, is tedious research and pulling together um, a, a visual concept, drawing it easy. Um, it's in a process of sketching out various ideas and seeing which ones stick. And often I have that aha moment when I know I've, I've really hit the idea that I've been looking for. Once you've got that idea, how do you decide on the treatment of it, how you're going to approach it? I don't know, really. I guess it's kind of tied up with my own sense of humour. I, I guess, firstly and foremost, I'm thinking, is my idea funny? Um, that's the first box I, I want to check. I mean, I guess if it's a more serious issue... If there is like a, a tragedy involved, then I want to do something where there's less emphasis on the humour and more actually about recognising that you know something actually serious has, has happened. Because you've only got three to four, maybe five seconds of the reader's time, and then they move on. So you've got a lot to do in that very very short space of time. You know, you've got to, you've got to educate them. They have to understand the cartoon. Uh, they. You don't want them going back, reading it three or four times to, to try and understand, what's this guy getting at, you know? You don't want them over-analysing as well, which is a big thing these days because you know, it's no longer a page in a newspaper. It's also a digital thing sitting in a gallery somewhere. So they can sit there for half an hour and look at it 
and probably read too much into it. Whilst seeing what 15 other people think of it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and then voice their opinion on social media. What about the children? There are babies dying right now, and this is all you can say? We have someone, families right in front of you right now, and that's all you can say? You care about your colleagues more than these babies dying right now? Do you try to be contentious in your cartoons? Is that because no. that's a way that cartoons are often described when they make it into the news, right? <clears throat> it's oh, a contentious cartoon by blah, blah, blah. No. But um, is pushing the boundaries something... Contentious that... isn't my brief. Mm. What my brief is is to create and stimulate debate. Contentious is a completely different thing again. And that can happen unwillingly from either lack of knowledge or lack of skill... Or you can, or you can just deliberately go out there to, you know, you you go to the toolbox, go to the go to the tool shed, kick everything out of the way, and grab the sledgehammer. And I think that's a mistake. Being contentious, there's no value in that. You want people to think. You want to stimulate some sort of debate on particular subjects, or you can add to a particular debate that's currently going going on in the community, and. The other thing you can do too is probably uh, you can introduce a new perspective that people hadn't considered. It means, as I said before, you know, it means doing an awful lot of homework. You need to go out there and have a look at what people are actually thinking. Places like Twitter are interesting because, um, I mean, by and large, it's nothing more than a contemporary version of you know, the Colosseum in Rome. You know, in what way? Oh, it's noisy and people are throwing rocks and people are dying being eaten by lions and tigers. and It's one of those platforms where someone who has 10 followers has the same voice as someone that has 2 million followers. So they can be just as noisy. The only kind of censorship I guess that occurs is self-censorship so it's about trusting my own instincts my own sense of values and also that process of trying to read the room um, or I guess you know the wider public mood the, the biggest issue for me is probably keeping my passion intact in so I can get quite passionate about some issues and I've got to remind myself to keep that in check I guess in terms of editorial um, control I haven't had a lot of that. The only I've only had one cartoon rejected, and um, and that was my most recent one, which was uh, I guess a bit of a critique of of Garrick Tremaine. And I kind of knew at the time that it could be one that could cause I guess a little bit of pushback. And yeah, and and my editors they didn't want to publish that, but um, I totally I totally respect that, and and I think it's it's good to have that editorial reminder sometimes that, you know, you, you can't just say anything that's on your mind that week. While the papers wouldn't publish it, Bell did pop his cartoon on Twitter. It's a likeness of Tremaine with a poem next to it. The words speak of a cartoonist who lives with his friends in a Queenstown bubble where he's free to laugh about Māori solo mums and kids with diseases. And he ends with what Bell dubs an unspoken rule of cartoons, punch up, not down. He wouldn't normally publicly criticise another cartoonist, but... I felt it was kind of justified in, in that instance in that Tremaine's had a 30-year career where he's done a lot of punching down, I think, 
of groups and individuals that don't really have a platform or don't really have a lot of power to fight back. So I just, for me, it was kind of about giving him a little bit of a taste of his own medicine in, in a way. And I don't, I don't think the cartoon was overly mean or spiteful. I just think it was a reminder that sometimes that satirical bite can can come back and and bite you sometimes. You just were talking about reading the room, and you kind of are your own judge of whether you've taken something to the right level mm. or whether you've taken it too far. Is that hard? It, it, it definitely is a challenge, and, it, and it's an ongoing issue, and it's about, I think it's important for cartoons not to get too much in a bubble, um, not to get too much in their own headspace. You've got to be out there talking to people, getting a sense of, you know, how people feel about issues, um, what are the, the kind of boundaries of, of acceptability in, in terms of, of things that you can say. Social media, stuff like that is really important. Depending on the story and how contentious the story is, uh, I'll generate a sketch and then I'll show that not just to one editor, but it can filter through three or four. And if they're still, if they love it, but they can see that it, it, it could cause problems, um, and and by problems we're not talking about feedback, we're talking about litigation. Right. They might flick it on to, um, a, you know, a digital image. They'll flick it on to the um, uh, to our lawyers, and even then, you're not safe. They might give you the thumbs up and then change their minds. <laughs> that can happen. Um, but by and large, that's that's one aspect of the safety net. So I then go and draw the cartoon. And then I might come up with a better idea. You know, it's sort of backwards and forwards. It's mercurial. Most of the time, um, I'll get it to them as quickly as possible, as early as possible. So if there'll be any changes, then we're away. We can we can allow for those changes. So I've also got a, a partner. I'll, I'll sometimes like show her my cartoon, and I say, "Have I pushed this a little bit too far?" And sometimes she'll say, "Yeah, I think you probably could pull back a little bit here and there." So she's quite level-headed, whereas I'm quite passionate about issues. So it's it's quite a good balance. So I guess that's one of the ways for me that I'm able to to find that balance. When Tremaine was being interviewed about his cartoon, one thing he said was basically the world now is so politically correct, people are looking for things to be offended by. Is that how you see the environment you're working in? I I don't really see it that way at all. I don't want to say too much about the Tremaine case other than what I've said in my most recent cartoon, but I feel like the biggest problem there is that Tremaine has possibly just gotten a little bit out of touch with how society has moved forward. And I I don't think that's necessarily about political correctness. I I just think it was a bad cartoon and it it just really, it failed on a lot of levels. I I thought it was lazy. Um, I thought it came from a place of privileging complacency. And I, I think it would have caused outrage in any kind of error. I mean, I don't think he, Tremaine has any kind of idea of the, the, the kind of pain and the, the anger that cartoon caused, or at least he hasn't really expressed any remorse to suggest that he does. So, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I, I don't think at all that, that cartoonists are overly restrained by 
political correctness, I, I just think there's a lot more sensitivity about certain issues. There's a lot more emphasis on on kindness and, and caring, and, and, and that doesn't mean that you have to stop producing political cartoons. It just means you have to evolve political cartoons. I do an acid test, and I do it every night. Um, there are various people that I can rely on, and, and they know who they are, who will check it for grammar, uh, they'll check it for relevance, they'll check it for, for depth and meaning. And, you know, the editor might say, oh, that's fine, but I'll then pass it on to these other folk and they'll say, oh, hang on a sec, you've missed something here. What about A, B, C and D, you know? And, oh, God. <laughs> and that can happen, but what I'm saying is... Um, we just don't stick it in the paper. Do you ever get feedback on the grounds of, not this is legally putting us in a difficult position, but I think this is going to get a lot of pushback? Yeah. And, and does but we that prepare for change? that. And, that's, and this is the thing, that you, if you're going to take a particular line, then you must do your homework. As in you criticising someone. You have to have someone. a reason why you are going down this line because there will be feedback and you need, to, you need to be prepared for that. In fact, you need to be able to write the statement before you finish the cartoon. And that's the way that I work. That's why it takes so damn long, you know. Um, people think, oh, you just bash that out, you know. Well, you don't. What statement do you mean? Write the statement, the statement defending it? Or... Well, yeah, the defence. Yeah. <clears throat> why am I going down here? And it needs... It, I, I just don't need to sell that to the editors. I need to sell that to all the people that are vetting my work before it actually gets on the presses or goes out on the digital platform. On a year-to-year basis, there'll be an arm or a leg or a body that'll slip through that safety net. But by and large, um, it's a good system and it works. We've got some, some really great cartoonists at the moment like Sharon Murdoch and, and Toby Morris who mm. I think are evolving cartooning in that way. Inarguably, though, social media has made it easier for things to spread, so if you do something that people don't like, then more people are going to criticise it a lot faster. Has that changed the way you approach drawing or does that change the way you kind of think about it before you put it out? I think with social media, I'm aware that a lot more people are going to see my cartoon. So if anything, that pushes me to produce a better cartoon, um, to push, to, to raise my level, to think about my standards, to think about the quality of my illustration. I mean, a, a lot more people are going to see my work and I want it to be good. I wouldn't say that I let social media interfere with what I produce. It comes with the territory that some people are going to like my work and some aren't. Um, that's politics and that's cartooning. Um, I've had a few cartoons that have gone a little bit viral on social media and I've definitely had some pushback. Um, some of that's been a bit ugly and um, in one case it got a little bit scary. But in general, I put that out of my mind and I, I kind of I push ahead if, if I feel strongly enough about an issue to do a cartoon on it. If I spend all my time worrying about that kind of pushback, I wouldn't produce anything. What was the cartoon that got the pushback? There was one cartoon I did about the, the gun buyback um, and gun control in general, and this was after the uh, the terrorist 
attack down at the mosque in Christchurch, um, I felt like we were starting to see a few people from the gun lobby, um, in particular some gun shop owners, playing the victim at a time when there were actually some genuine victims. So I did a, a cartoon kind of calling that out, um, and I got a lot of positive response for that, but it was also the cartoon was shared on a couple of gun blogs, and so I started getting a whole heap of gun owners um, messaging me, um, giving me really negative reviews on my page, and um, just generally making me feel a little bit uncomfortable for a couple of days. So I, I guess that was a real um, a real wake-up for me in, in, in terms of the power of social media and, and how it can spread your cartoon for both good and, um, and bad ways. The footprint of your newspaper no longer finishes at the foot of the ranges or the service station 300 kilometres up the road. You know, the moment you hit send, it becomes a digital commodity. Someone in the sitting on horseback in the middle of Wyoming can read that cartoon and get offended by it. And you need to take those things into consideration. But, you know, I can I can see that there would be some cartoonists, a small group that would probably not put the effort in it that you have to these days. And they would be probably relying on a 1980s, 1990s way of approaching a story where we've all moved on, but they haven't moved with it. And, you know, they're using a formula that worked, um, but it doesn't work now. Attitudes change, mm. um, and you're no longer just spoon-feeding to a, a particular section of your readership, you know. Everyone's looking at it. And, and if you're going to take on a very contentious story... Um, you know, a very, very sad story. You know, you want to you really want to have all your ducks in a row, that's for sure. And to dig in is uh, even... You know, it's dangerous. To dig in as in to stand... Well, to say, I'm not going to apologise. Mm. No, I can't see what you're coming, where you're coming from. Well, you know, I think... I think you know, there's a lot of elements to, to these stories. That, and they've, it's, you know, it's not just one. There's been quite a few. And, I th- and it's... Uh, you know, I've always said that one day those those pipes are going to burst, and they have. I honestly believe that New Zealand's in a really strong position in terms of the kind of editorial cartoonists we're producing at the moment. I I also feel like cartoonists are in quite a vulnerable position, at least those ones who do publish in the traditional forums like like newspapers. And, and again, that's tied up with the challenges of, of resourcing print journalism. Editors are, are getting a little bit nervous about what they, what they can print. We've seen in the US a couple of newspapers drop cartoonists who are critical of Donald Trump. And you know we've also obviously seen fallout over cartoons drawn on both sides of the Tasman. So there's definitely a, a lot more pushback that, that's happening by people. And that, that's to do with um, you know the social media thing. But it's, it's coming from across the political spectrum, left and, and right. In a way, that's a good thing, I think, because it, it means cartoonists can't operate in a bubble anymore. My concern would be if we were to see an overall editorial blunting of the work that cartoonists can do. 
you know, the work that they can do when they're allowed to really push the boundaries a bit more. Um, and I think that's important more than ever. When you've got issues like global warming and the rise of, of right-wing populism around the world, I think there's a, there's a real important place there for cartoonists more than ever in a way. Don't try and tell us that, you know, we're a dying art. We are not. Um, but we've got to rise above it and prove ourselves with insightful, forward-thinking, highly creative work that sums up two or three thousand words in two or three words and can, you know, bring down walls and, you know, decide governments almost. And I quite like that because each day is a new day. I'm never bored, absolutely never bored. That's The Detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Rangi Poik and produced by Alexia Russell. Thanks to The Herald's Rod Emerson and Stuff's Jeff Bell. Kakite anō. Ka